morning. At several of our several of our past churches, uh, we had we had one Sunday per year, actually about a week per year, that was uh, designated as uh, Great Commission Week or Great Commission Sunday, where where we would emphasize uh, world missions. Uh, you know, based on the Great Commission, uh, you know, we we as a church have a mission. You know, if, if anybody ever asks you, what, what are we here for? You know, we, we need to look at what Jesus said to his disciples right before, right before he ascended. He said, be my witnesses, make disciples. You know, starting, starting where you're at. He told them uh, Jerusalem, that's where they were, starting in Jerusalem, going out to Judea, you know, the area surrounding Jerusalem, Samaria, where they people they didn't really normally associate with and normally didn't like were, and then out to the ends of the earth. In other words, starting right here all the way to, to the rest of the world. And I, I like that. I like that idea. We would, we would have a week. Sometimes we would, uh, Chris and I would even host a missionary. The, the church would have a missionary who would speak. Great to hear what, what God is doing in other parts of the country. And, yeah, I'd really like to do that. I'd like to do that as a church. And uh, the, the missions committee is looking into this. So you'll, you'll hear more about this in the future. I think the sentiment is right, you know, to set aside a, a time like that. And we, we do that with other things. You know, with, with Christmas, we, we think about uh, Jesus' coming to the earth, right? Being born as a baby God incarnate, God in the flesh, coming for our salvation. Once a year, we, we celebrate the, uh, the resurrection of our Lord. It's a great thing to just sit back, think about these things, focus on them. But I think the danger we run into is, you know, once we're, once we're through with a, a Great Commission Sunday or, or a Christmas I remember my grandpa King, he was always kind of a jokester. You know, once, uh, once the presents under the tree were unwrapped, he'd say, well, it's over. You're going to have to wait 365 more days for, for Christmas, you know. But I think that's the danger. You know, we, we say, okay, it's, it's over. Let's, let's get on with it. But, you know, we, we need to be ever mindful of, of the resurrection of, of Christ. You know, live, live a life of, of new life, new birth based on the resurrection. That's our hope. And I think the same thing applies with, with missions. Chris and I celebrate our, our anniversary once a year too. Here's another example. You know, if I, if we if we were to say, okay, we're gonna we're gonna dedicate one day per year to think about our marriage and work about our work on our marriage, you know, we would probably uh, have difficulty. You know, it's it's something that we need to do every day. We need to we need to have conversations and, and love each other every day. You know, the point is, we need to be aware, as God's people, we need to be aware of the uh, the Great Commission throughout the year. And uh, the the Psalm, as we continue in the Psalms, we're going to look at Psalm sixty seven, which is a Great Commission Psalm. The title of this sermon is is "Let the Nations Be Glad," which is a a statement, a declaration, which is is made in this Psalm. It's a it's a beautiful Psalm about God's desire 
for the world, the entire world. It, it speaks about how God blesses us so that we can bless the rest of the world, so that the rest of the world can benefit from what God has done for us, so that the gospel can go out to the, to the world. Read with me Psalm 67, rather short psalm. I think there's, what, seven verses here. Psalm 67. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. Selah. That your way may be known on earth, that your saving power among all nations. Let the people praise you, O God. Let the people, all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. Selah. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. So God's blessing extends to us, through us, to to all the world. So first, let's look at... uh, God's blessing for us, his, his people. You know, this, this psalm begins with a, a sentiment of, of desire. It says, may God bless us and make his face shine upon us. You know, first of all, let's, let's take note that the, the psalmist is not saying, God bless me. God make his face shine upon me. Now, I want that for sure. But he's talking about his people gathered together, the, com- his, the, the community of, of his people being blessed. You know, some, some cultures are different from ours. You know, our, our Western culture is pretty individualistic. You know, we measure, we measure achievements as uh, individual achievements over, over group achievements. That's, that's our heritage here. You know, some cultures are just the opposite where... It's, it's the group or the community that, that matters the most. In fact, most of the world. You know, as, as with so many other issues, uh, you know, the key is balance. The key is balance. You know, there, there are plenty of psalms where, where the psalmist is talking about himself. You know, I do want God's blessing. I want to be close to God. I want to serve God, but we can never forget that we were designed to operate as a church, as, as a body. You know, we're not individual parts all laid out on the table. We're connected together and we work together for the good of the body. Every, every member of the, of the church is a minister, Paul says. Each member, each member is in place for the, for the good of the body, to, to build it up for service, for, for ministry. You know, we need each of us individually to, to have a rich prayer life, a, a good devotional life where we spend time with the Lord, reading his word, praying. But we also need to do this uh, as a group, as the body. We need to do it in community. That's why, that's why I encourage you to come this Thursday at 6 for the, uh, for the prayer meeting. You know, if we're going to, 
if we're going to ask for God's blessing on us, there needs to be an us. You know, we, we need to think of ourselves in, in terms of being members of the body. There needs to be community. You know, and that's, that's what we see when we, when we look at the book of Acts. In Acts 2, verses 42 through 47, Luke gives us a really good descri- a description about how the body is operating Acts 2.42 through 2.47, it says, And they devoted themselves, speaking of the church, to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayers. It says, And awe came on every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day to day, listen to this, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. That's a glorious passage right there. Well, back to this this psalm. You know, the blessing in this psalm is a statement of desire for God's people. And this blessing would be something that a, a good Israelite, a good Jew would, would have been pretty familiar with. It's you know, essentially a, a restatement of, the, of what God told Aaron to say as he blessed the Israelites, as he spoke to the people of Israel. Aaron and his sons, remember, were, were set aside as uh, God's priests, and the blessing, this blessing is found in Numbers 6, through 27. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, Thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So they put my name upon the people of Israel and I will bless them. You know, this, is, this is the high priestly benediction. Sometimes I will read this at at the end of a a service. You know, people would especially uh, hear this this blessing at at harvest time. You know, a picture of God's blessing and and abundance at at harvest. It would be, you know, a natural thing for the people to uh, take this blessing and and make a prayer out of it. You know, asking God for for a good harvest, uh, an abundant harvest for for divine guidance you know the people wanted god's blessing and his his grace and his his favor being an agrarian society their their livelihood depended on this on god's blessing you know we'll we'll see at the end of the psalm how how the idea of harvest fits into this this blessing so just kind of put a, a bookmark in your brain right there and the psalmist continues may god be gracious to us you know, this idea of God being a God of grace and mercy appears in, in the Old Testament. You know, grace is not something that just came up as a new concept in, in the New Testament. You know, we, we don't pit the New Testament against the Old Testament and, you know, say the God of the, the Old Testament was a God of... Uh, Laws and, and anger and demands and, you know, demanding that his people earned his, his favor, earned his blessing by uh, keeping these commandments. 
by strictly adhering to the law. And, you know, we, we see that even in the Old Testament, God is a God of grace. Now, the psalmist is asking here for God's grace. You know, what is grace? It's not, it's not given to us on, on the basis of our good works or our adherence to the law, but because God is a gracious God. The psalmist asks for blessing. And uh, the, the, the form of this word in, in Hebrew, the word um, that's, that's translated in our English Bible's blessing, uh, has to do with being endued with special power. You know, the psalmist is acknowledging that God is the source of that power. God, grant us your favor. Give us your power is what he's, is what he's asking. And, and next he says, may your face shine on us. May your face shine on us. You know, when, when there's a reference in, in the Bible about God's face, or God's countenance, it's, it's referring to his presence. You know, we want to be in God's presence. We want him to uh, be aware of us, to, uh, to listen to us, as we're aware of him and we listen to him. You know, it's that, that personal interaction that we have with our Lord, his face, his countenance. We say, God, shine that on me, shine that on me, us. <laughs> Within uh, the study of, of the Great Commission, you know, this, this fits in, does it not? You know, the pieces start to fall into place. Acts 1.8, you know, Jesus says to the disciples, you'll, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. That's a, this is a description of what the psalmist is talking about. When God sent the Holy Spirit to the church, you know, what does that mean to us? It means we have exactly what the psalmist is asking for right here, his favor, his power, his, his presence with us. Jesus said, you will, I will not leave you alone. You won't be orphans. I will be with you always. He's talking about his presence through the Holy Spirit being with us. That's verse 1. Verse 1 ends with uh, this word silah. We've talked about that before. It's, uh, you know, we, we don't know exactly what this word means, uh, silah. We, uh, rather than translating it, our, our translators just give it, they transliterate it, uh, meaning they, they, they spell it the way it sounds in the original language. The, this word occurs uh, about 70 times. In the Psalms, uh, also it, it appears a few times in the book of Habakkuk. And it's, it's most likely a musical term which uh, signifies a pause. A pause. Just maybe, maybe a musical interlude, maybe time to uh, chew on and think and meditate about what has just been said. Anyway, it seems appropriate here. God blesses us. We want God to bless us, but we, we want to be blessed, and God blesses us for a, a reason. There's, there's a purpose for it. So the next word, starting in verse 2, is for. You know, this, this gives us the reason for that blessing. It's got a, it's got a large scope. You know, God's blessing it extends all. God blesses us 
so that he might bless others through us. You know, the fact is, he, he has blessed us. Um, in, in our our country, you know, we're, we're a very resource-rich country. Um, very few of us, there, there are some, but very few of us go to bed hungry at night, you know, unless it's by choice. Uh, God has given us uh, much, much is expected of us. So there's a pause, this word that. The reason God, the reason for God to bless his people, the psalmist says, so that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all the nations. In the Old Testament, this is why Jesus chose Abraham, why he (coughs) blessed the descendants of Abraham. Remember the blessing, the covenant that God made with with Abraham in in Genesis 12, 2 and 3. He said to Abraham, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. To him who dishonors you, I will curse. And then you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. This is looking ahead to Abraham's descendant, Jesus Christ. God chose Abraham so that all families on earth will will be blessed. What's all families on the earth? That's the whole world. This is a missions psalm. The psalm says the same thing in verse 2. The favor of God, the power of God, the blessing of God is given that his way may be known on earth, that his saving power among the nations. This is a great commission statement right here. In the Old Testament, you know, it really does parallel what Jesus said in Acts 1.8. Let's, let's read that, that whole verse, Acts 1.8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. You know, the, the presence of God, the power of God is given to his people so that the world will know him, so that the world will know his salvation. God's presence through the Holy Spirit, his face shining on us, empowering us so that all the nations, all the peoples of the world can, can know and experience God's salvation. This is, this is great stuff. The psalmist now says, let the peoples praise you, O God. Let the peoples praise you. And when it, when it says uh, the, the peoples, this word in the, in the Hebrew is, is uh, referring to people who are related by kinship. You know, it's talking about people groups, the, the peoples. Earlier, earlier it used a different word, which is translated nations, and these are, these are parallel terms. You know, what, is, um, what is a nation? What is a people? And when we when we look at that and ask ourselves that question, you know, the uh, the distinction is really blurring in our times because people are moving around all over the place. You know, we're we're surrounded by many uh, first and second generation uh, immigrants from all over the world. Chris and I have lived in places where we've seen this. When we lived in uh, Dallas or Rowlett, which is a suburb of Dallas, uh, I we thought for quite a while that we were the only. Uh, Anglo people on our our street. We had um, 
Vietnamese people. We had an Ethiopian back behind us, behind the alley, African-American to the left. Uh, as, we, as we would see people walk around, we, we felt like we were at the end of the world here. Just all these, all these people groups represented, many of them first generation. You know, the ends of our, the ends of the earth at our, at our doorstep. And, uh, you know, because of war and famine and uh, persecution, many other reasons, uh, nations and peoples are scattered. I think this, this is part of God's end time plan. You know, there are, there are people where, at places where we can't really go. Countries where missionaries aren't allowed in. Isn't that just like our God to say, well, we'll bring them here. They can meet the Lord and go back and, and share with their people. You know, God, when, God's, when God's got a will, he's got a way. So, you know, we need to see that um, this is God's providence. I remember when we lived in Dallas, there, there was this one guy in our church who used to complain about all the Muslims that were moving into his neighborhood. It was, it was based on fear. He felt like, well, they're, they're going to take over. They're going to impose their, their religion on people, whatever. God's bringing them here so that they can hear the gospel. Let the nations be glad. Let the peoples praise God. You know, our, um, our God... The, the creator of the universe, the creator of the world, the creator of each person who lives in this world never intended to res- restrict his dealings with, with one people group. Though he uh, did choose Abraham, remember that. He said, through you, I'm going to bless all the families in the earth. Now, the, 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 the people of Israel decided, well, we kind of like this deal that we have with God, you know, and they tried to keep him to themselves. That's not God's intention. That was never his plan. It was his plan for the gospel to go out to everyone. Everyone. There's an organization called the uh, Joshua Project, and this gives us, they, they, they collect a lot of statistics and give us a good picture of what the world looks like for evangelism, for uh, missions. According to the Joshua Project, it says it's estimated that 7.47 billion people of the 7.47 billion people alive in the world today, 3.15 billion of them live in unreached people groups with little or no access to the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's nearly half. They say there are approximately 16,800 unique people groups in the world with about 6,900 of them considered unreached. The vast majority, 95% of them, 95% of these least reached groups exist in the 1040 window. Less than 10% of missionary work is done among these people. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that term, 1040 window. It has, it's, if, you, if you look on a map and you look at um, 
it's, it's uh, latitude, longitude. The, the, the middle section where, you know, the Middle East and India and these, these places are where, where the gospel is, is restricted. That's the 1040 window. 10% of the missionary work that we do is done among, among these people. So there's a lot of work to do. Still a lot of work to do. But you know, the Apostle John gives us a really great vision in the book of Revelation where we see the outcome. Revelation 7, 9 through 10 is, is this scene which is pretty awesome. It says, after this I looked, behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. This glorious vision that we see, this is, this is what we are going to experience in heaven, ultimately. Great picture of what it's going to be like. All nations, all peoples, people from all languages, Worshiping our Lord all together. You know, this is uh, this is the same Holy Spirit who inspired this psalm, who inspired this this passage in Revelation. You know, let the nations be glad and sing for joy. Let the peoples praise you, O God. God's sovereign plan is is for the whole world. And the psalmist goes on to say that that God will deal with the world with with equity. Verse 4, let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you judge the people with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. this, This word translated equity refers to level ground. You know, think of a, a flat field. We, we've we've got these these hay fields across the street from where we live, and it's you know it seems to be completely flat. That's what it's talking about. It's like a plain. You know, in other words, you might say that God uh, levels the the playing field for all people. Every person, no matter their background, no matter what country they live in, every person is able to approach God at this on the same ground on the same basis. You know, God does not play favorites. We're, we're told that in Romans 2, 8 through 11, where it says, uh, there will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil to the Jew first and also to the Greek, but glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good, the Jew first and also to the Greek, for God shows no partiality. So all people are equally lost without Jesus doesn't matter what country they live in. Doesn't matter what language they speak. Doesn't matter who their parents are or anything else. You know, all have sinned. There's, there's none of us who are righteous on our own. None of us can earn our way to God. There's equity. Every one of us tries to go our own way instead of God's way. But praise God, salvation is available to all. God's people are those who are, are saved by grace, through faith, 
in Jesus Christ. Everyone needs to come on the same basis. The field is level. It's just. It's equitable. The psalmist continues, the, the earth has yielded, yielded its increase. Here's, here's this harvest uh, motif. The earth has yielded its increase, God. Oh, God, our God shall bless us. And I mentioned earlier that this, this uh, motif, this harvest uh, agricultural uh, picture is in the Aaronic blessing, you know, that God, God's blessing would be invoked for an abundant harvest. You know, here we, here we see that idea, you know, but this harvest seems to go beyond grain and figs and, and, and grapes and, and things like that that uh, they would have in the Middle East. It, it goes beyond cattle. You know, let's, let's look at it in terms of God's purpose for the world, you know, that the world would, would know God's saving power. You know, when we look at what Jesus said, this makes sense in the, in the context of, of world missions. He told his disciples in John four thirty five, look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the, the fields are white with harvest. In Matthew nine thirty five through 38, we threw out all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. You know, what is the harvest? It's people. The harvest is people. The Lord of the harvest, God, is, is working throughout the world to bring in this, this harvest. The Holy Spirit is drawing people to God. Jesus has given us the mission to be harvesters, to be his witnesses, to make disciples throughout the world. You know, from from our neighborhoods, the people on your street, to your community, our community, our region, our state, our country, to the whole world. There's no part of the world which is not included in this, this harvest field that he's, that he's talking about. We need to be part also of, of sending others into the harvest. We are missionaries. I said earlier that every member of the church is a minister, but every member in the church is also a missionary. You know, the missionaries aren't those just those people who come in once a year and, and speak to us. Every one of us is, is given that charge, that mandate from, from our Lord to be missionaries, to make disciples. We need to establish our priorities. We need to, we need to understand our mission. Uh, we need to, we need to consider what's important. You know, what, I always, I always tell people, we do the things that we want to do. We do, we find time to do things that are important to us. I, I read this, uh, this article that was, it's kind of a dated article. It was written in 2006, but it's talking about this guy who uh, had a mission. Rafael Antonio Lozano. He was a 33-year-old computer programmer from Plano, Texas, and he was on a quest to visit every company-owned Starbucks on the planet. 
He began his mission in 1977 when there were 1,304 such stores worldwide. Uh, in 2006, when this was written, there were over 6,300. I, I looked up, now there's like three times that many. But Winter said, as long as they keep building Starbucks, I'll never be finished. Every time I reach a Starbucks, I feel like I've accomplished something. And we can laugh at that, but look at, look at some of the things that we do with our time. You know, what, what is our mission? What is our mission? We need to ask ourselves that. What, what are we accomplishing? What's our, what's our part in God's plan? I would, I would like to propose that, you know, first it's, it is to be a missionary in our own mission field. What is, what is our mission field? What's my mission field? It's right where we're at. There, I, I know that uh, Dorothy's daughter is, is going to be going to Belize to do mission work real soon. We were talking to her last night about that. You know, for most of us, though, our, our mission field is, is right where we're at, you know, right in our neighborhood, right in our families, in our schools, in our workplace. Who are the people who we rub shoulders with each day? That's our, that's our little section, our little plot of this, this harvest field. Next, Jesus said, you know, pray. Pray to the Lord of the harvest that he sends more workers. There's a lot of work to do. We need more. Pray that God would, would move people. Pray that God would stir hearts, bringing a, a conviction and a desire to, to go to the world. Maybe, maybe some of you young people will do just that. Maybe the Lord will stir your hearts to do that. We need to, we need to put action to our, our faith. You know, God, according to the psalmist here, blessed us so that we can bless others. So that God's way may be known on earth, his saving power among all nations. So we, we have a duty We've got a job to do. We have a duty to support our, our missionaries, our international workers. You know, we need to, we need to keep them in our, in our prayers as well as uh, supporting financially. We need to offer them encouragement in any way we can. Many people who are out in the mission field are, are very discouraged. We've got some friends who, um, they actually came home from the mission field. They were in um, Bosnia. And uh, we had a we had a Zoom call with them, and uh, you know, asking them what you know, how can we pray for you? And they said, well, you know, it's it's very discouraging. We can go, you know, a year without seeing a, a conversion or, or a baptism. You know, that the people where they were were just really closed to the gospel. You know, so for you know, for places like that, pray for the people, pray for the workers, pray that uh, the workers would would be encouraged and that their perspective would, would be an eternal perspective, a kingdom perspective, knowing that God is in control. God will call people. Yeah, God blessed us so that we can pass that blessing on. So as I wrap this up, let's, let's make this psalm our own prayer. I'd, I'd like for you to, 
maybe this evening or, or through the week, go back to this psalm and, and just pray through it. You know, God bless us and give us your grace and, and make your face shine on us so that the world may, may know your ways that they would experience and benefit from your salvation. You know, let, let the whole world sing your praise. Lord, we long to see that day where all the nations are, are rejoicing and, and praising the Lord because of what he's done for us. Yeah, he's, he's blessed us. Let's, let's continue that blessing. Let's not let it stop with us. Let's let our desire to be that the whole world will rejoice in the Lord. Let's pray. Lord God, I, I do pray that uh, we would we would see this, Lord, that uh, we would see your blessing, that we would enjoy you and your presence. Lord, through us, use, or use us. <laughs> use us, Lord, so that through us, your, your blessings would, would uh, go to other people. Other people would benefit, Lord. Uh, Forgive us, forgive us, Lord, for uh, keeping the blessing to ourselves. That's our tendency. Lord, I pray that you would ignite a passion in us, light a, a burning fire in our hearts, Lord, for, for your gospel, for people who need to hear it. Uh, Lord, Lord of the harvest, send out workers. Use us, Lord. I think of that that song that, that we sing, I, I consecrate myself to you, Lord. Use use my hands and my my feet, my my mind. Use my resources, Lord. They're all given to you for your service, for your glory, Lord. And we love you and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.